Welcome to another episode from TFA Church. Here at TFA Church, we value people and we trust that this episode will be a blessing to you. Go with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6 is where we're going to land this morning. John chapter 6, if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, you can follow along in the notes. You can also always look ahead to see what the notes are saying each week. Uh, through the YouVersion Bible app, you can click on events and follow the, the notes uh, each week as, as we share. But uh, I want to talk to you this morning about, again, the five solas is the, the sermon series that we were walking through the last two Sundays. We talked about sola scriptura, the Bible alone. We, we, we teach and preach from the Bible alone uh, as, uh, as New Testament Protestant, Evangelical, Pentecostal believers, all right? Uh, we, uh, we preach the Bible alone. And then uh, last week we talked about grace and faith alone. Uh, this morning we're talking about solus Christus. I don't speak Latin, but it's solus Christus, Christ alone, all right? Christ alone. And so John chapter 6, we're looking at a passage of Scripture where Jesus just fed the 5,000. He uh, fed all these hungry people. We know there were way more than 5,000 people there because at the time they only included the number of the men uh, in that, within that culture. And so we know there were women and children there as well. So the, the number was huge, the, the people that Jesus fed. And he begins to teach them and he begins to share things about himself. He's saying, I just fed you this bread, but I am the bread. All right, And so let's read some of these scriptures, and then we're going to dialogue uh, of, of why we believe in, in Jesus alone, Jesus Christ alone. And, and again, this is a, a, a series that really was birthed out of the Protestant Reformation, these five solas uh, that, we're, that we're discussing in these five weeks, all the month of October, when Martin Luther, back in uh, October 31st, 1517, penned the 95 Thesis on the Wittenberg Chapel and Wittenberg, Germany, and, and basically was saying, hey, let's have a debate. He was a professor, and he's saying, hey, let's have a debate about these 95 points. And uh, this is not going to be a 95-week series, okay? So we, we've taken those 95, and, and, and five really surfaced from the top in the early 1900s uh, from, from an individual that, that penned these five solas. So week three, solas Christus Christ alone. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 6, verses 35 and 36. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. At this, the Jews, verse 41 and 42 there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They knew what he was talking about because they understood the Old Testament scriptures and they understood about the manna from the Old Testament that God sent down on the children of Israel as food every day as they were in the wilderness. And he, he says that they began to grumble and complain because he said he was the, the bread from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Verses 53 and 50 through 56, Jesus said to them, Verily, truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. 
Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. You may have never heard that scripture before. But Jesus is declaring, you come to me to eat. He's declaring, I am the bread. You eat my flesh, you drink my blood, and and you come to me. This is the way we we go even to the Father when we pray. We we come, dear Jesus, we we pray in the name of Jesus, and we're coming to Jesus, and we're feasting in his presence. But watch this, what he says. Verse 63 through 69, the Spirit gives life. So let's put these words in context. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. Verse 66 I've uh, preached before a sermon entitled The Saddest Scripture in All the Bible. It's John 6, 6, 6. John 6, 66. This is the saddest scripture in all the Bible. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They were finding that his words were too hard and too difficult to understand. You may have heard me reading these verses and thought, what did Jesus mean? Right? I mean, that's our, we, 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 we tend to hear words like, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and wonder, what is Jesus talking about? But at that moment, they turned and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? He, Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered, verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus is speaking these words. Many are leaving him at his teaching. And his words are are well understood with the whole idea that the words that Jesus is speaking are spiritual words. And he's he's speaking kind of metaphorically and symbolically that these are spiritual words that I'm giving you. And you come to me spiritually to eat and to drink of my flesh and to drink my blood. We we come to him spiritually to, to drink and we say, Lord, I want all of you there is. In my life, I don't just believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. I want all of you. I want you to be a part of my life and to change my being. And so he turns to the disciples and he he asks the disciples, he says, you're not going to go away, are you? And Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? And I want to ask you that question this morning. The same question that Jesus asked in a slightly different way. If not Jesus, then what? If not Jesus, then who? If not Jesus, then what? And if not Jesus, then who? Jesus says, you don't want to go, do you? And Peter says, to whom shall we go? You alone, right? Only you have the words of eternity eternal life. And, you know, where are you going to go if it's not Jesus? What about atheism? You're going to turn to atheism and give your life to to discovering that you don't believe in God? Well, some of the greatest intelligentsia of the past, Socrates, Bacon, Galileo, Newton, Pasteur, Einstein, Warner von Braun, they, they all believed in God. And 
and, and some did not. But, but that, that, that's not the primary point. But if you're not going to turn to Jesus, you would possibly turn to atheism? Well, what about philosophy? Study the great philosophers and see if philosophy satisfied their heart. Atheism, philosophy, the, some of the, the greatest philosophers, Schopenhauer, one of the greatest, said this, life is a curse of endless craving and endless unhappiness. He's a philosopher. Huxley said this, Thomas Huxley, he said, it seems we're like a cancer on the globe. You're going to turn from Jesus and go to atheism or go to philosophy? What about uh, materialism? You, you say, oh, I'm just going to chase after the things of this world. I'm going to buy that boat. Come on, I hope you do. Uh, buy that boat. I'm going to get that car. I'm going to get that rod. I'm going to get that, you know, nice dress. I'm going to get that ring. All those things. But those things do not satisfy. Jesus is saying, you know, who are you going to go to? I alone have the words of eternal life. And Peter, Peter confessed that. Jesus, you alone. You have the words of eternal life. See, you can take Buddha out of Buddhism. You could even turn to religion and, and, and follow different religions of the world. You could take Buddha out of Buddhism but, and still have Buddhism. You could take Confucius out of Confucianism but, and still have Confucianism. You can take Muhammad out of Islam and still have basically the, 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 the codes of Islam, but you cannot take Jesus out of Christianity and still have the Christian faith. It's, it's Jesus that he died and he rose again on the third day. Christianity is not just a creed or a code or a cause or a church. Christianity is Christ. Jesus, solus Christus, it's Jesus alone. He alone is our only hope. He alone is our only peace. He alone is our only joy. It's only Jesus, a vital relationship with Jesus. And Simon Peter asked, where should we go? You can go to atheism. You could try philosophy, materialism, false religions, on and on and on it goes. Now, let me tell you something about Jesus. Hear my heart this morning. Those of you listening on live stream, you can listen up closely as well. Jesus Christ alone. Jesus, only Jesus has the answer to the things that really matter. Only Jesus can meet the deepest hunger of the human heart. Only Jesus is the answer to man's sin. Only Jesus gives meaning to life and death. Only Jesus can take the sting out of sin and the gloom out of the grave and the pain out of parting and give hope that is steadfast and sure. To whom shall we go? Only Jesus has all that we need. So with all of that said, you may be saying, but, what, but okay, Pastor, you settled that. That brings a question, though. How do we know that Jesus is who he says he is? Some of you may be mentally thinking that already. Like, okay, but, but why? Why do you believe in Jesus? Why? Let me give you four reasons quickly, and I'm going to run through some of the things in this text that we just read this morning. But, but quickly, there's number one, the reason we believe that Jesus is who he says he is is because there is a historical reason. There's a historical reason. I've always loved the study of apologetics. Why do we believe what we believe? Defending the Christian faith. Why, are there, why do we believe that? Well, there's a historical Jesus. There is more proof 
that Jesus Christ existed than Julius Caesar. All right? How many of you heard of, oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? And I remember, I remember I was the rest of the part, but I forgot it all by now. In grade school, in high school, wherefore art thou, Romeo, O Juliet, thy, anyhow, I forget the rest. But Jesus is a historical person that lived. H.G. Wells, who was a a historian of, of many years ago, says in his outline of history, he listed the 10 greatest men of history, and number one on the list was Jesus Christ. Sir J.G. Frazier, a historian, you certainly wouldn't call him an evangelical Christian or a born-again Christian. He said this, and listen to this, My theory assumes the historical reality of Jesus of Nazareth as the great religious and moral teacher who founded Christianity and was crucified in Jerusalem under the governorship of Pontius Pilate. What he's saying is that if, uh, if you're a historian, you have to admit that Jesus Christ lived. Every day we uh, refer to the date. The date. Yesterday we had a, a solar eclipse. October 14th, 2023. Every time we say the year, we're recognizing a point in history. It's Anno Dominum, the, the year of our Lord. We're recognizing B.C. or A.D. Now there's a Common Era, C.E., you've heard of that, Common Era or Before Common Era, but you trace both of the the dating systems back, and it still surrounds the date and birth of Jesus, like before Jesus and after Jesus. Jesus was here. Jesus was born. He's a historical figure. There's no way to explain the Christian church, the fact that we're here, apart from the fact that Jesus Christ was here. And what did the early church uh, begin to preach not only that Jesus Christ was born and that he died, but that he rose again on the third day. He's a historical figure. He's a historical person. And someone says, though, they were hallucinating. When, when Jesus rose from the dead, well, he appeared to more than 500 at the same time. 500 at the same time, and he appeared over and over again over a period of 40 days to, to several individuals who ended up giving their lives for this gospel message. Now, some people will, will live for a, a lie, but not many people will willingly die for a lie. Right? You understand that, right? Oh, no, I, okay, you, you said you were going gonna to kill me for believing that? Oh, no, I think I'm, I think I'm done. But no, these apostles, they're, they're walking the road and they're saying, you know what? I believe that this is true because I saw him. I saw him with my eyes. He appeared before me. I put my finger in his side. I, I fed him some fish, and, I, and, and he appeared in the room with me. Jesus is a historical figure, but let me give you some, some other reasons. Secondly, not only a historical reason, but there's a scriptural reason. There's a scriptural reason. John chapter 6, verses 45 through 49, Jesus says, It is written in the prophets. It is written in the prophets. It's written in the prophets, they will be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father has learned from him comes to me. He talks about the bread coming down from the Old Testament story of feeding the Israelites in the wilderness. He talks about that from the prophets. He's pointing to the Old Testament. There's a scriptural reason 
why I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, not only a historical reason, but a scriptural reason. Well, then that poses a question. You say, well, okay, Pastor, but why do you believe the Bible? Well, go back two weeks ago. (laughs) Two weeks ago, I mentioned reasons why we believe the Bible. Sola Scriptura. You can listen to the podcast. You can always listen. Go back to Facebook or YouTube or on our website. There's a link that you can click to go back and listen to two weeks ago if, if you weren't here to listen to why we believe the Bible is God's Word. But I gave four reasons for why I believe God's Word. It's the supernatural book, maps, manuscripts, archaeology, prophecy, synergy, maps. It's a supernatural book. It's the Savior's book. Jesus believed the Old Testament. He believed the Bible. It's a surviving book. They've tried to, to, to uh, burn the manuscripts. They've tried to get rid of the Bible, but it continues on and on and on. It's a surviving book, and it's a spiritual book. There's power in the Bible. And so Jesus is quoting from the Old Testament. He says that this Old Testament, these scriptures were speaking about me. There's a historical reason, and there's a, his, there's a scriptural reason why we believe Jesus is the Son of God. If you read the Bible and you don't find Jesus, go back and read, read the Bible. The Bible's all about Jesus. He's the hero of the Bible. The Bible is his story. It's the story of Jesus Christ. And put this verse, uh, put this verse down if you're taking notes. Acts chapter 10, verse 43. To him, that is to Jesus, give all the prophets witness. Acts 10, 43. To him, all, that is Jesus, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believes in him shall have the remission of Sins. The scriptures, the biblical texts talk about his virgin birth and his sinless life, his miraculous death, his, his miraculous life and his sacrificial death and his bodily resurrection. What I'm trying to say is I believe in Jesus because he's a historical fact, but, but also because there are scriptural reasons. The Bible says from the Old Testament, one message, Jesus is coming. The Bible says in the New Testament, Jesus came. It points back. There's a scriptural reason. And when you read the Bible, it comes alive. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, it, God, the Word became manifest and manifested itself among us. He was manifest. John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh. This Word that was from with God in the beginning... Jesus Christ, there's a historical reason, there's a scriptural reason, but thirdly, there's also a spiritual reason. Thirdly, there's a spiritual reason. Watch this, John chapter 6, verse 63, the Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. You'll never comprehend in your mind all who Jesus Christ is until the Spirit of God quickens that. And everyone here can understand that if you choose to believe who Jesus is, you choose to believe the gospel, the Holy Spirit will quicken that in your heart and make that come alive. Put this book down. John wrote the gospel of John, but 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. 1 John chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. This is what This is what John says. He says, this is he, speaking of Jesus, this is he who came by water 
and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. Speaking of when they, they, they thrust the spear into his side, the water and the blood began to flow. And it is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. Verse 7, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But they're, they're one God, operating as three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Verse 8, and there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, verse 9, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which, God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. You have the witness in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. See, we receive the witness of man. The witness of man. I uh, got in an airplane back, and many of us, several of us on our missions team, got on an airplane back in July and August sometime, and, and uh, several weeks ago. We, we believed the witness of man that said, you know, that plane could fly. And there's a, a man or a woman that's been certified with a pilot's license that is flying that plane, and we, we believe the witness of man to, to fly that plane. And we got on that plane, and we flew all the way to Newark, New Jersey, and all the way back. We believe the witness of man. You ate, in a, ate out in a restaurant recently, haven't you? McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, come on, somebody. You believed in that cook, right? You believed that. You believed in, the, you know, those that draw a map. You know, we could take out our phones now and GPS map, and we, we believe all oh, that map. Yeah, if I just follow that map, that's the witness of man. We believe in all those things. We believe there's electricity. That, you know, there's a beam. There's beams. I didn't physically build this church, but, but I know that there's a beam there, and there, there's metal all above your heads right now. Do you know that that metal could come crashing at any moment and wipe me out? <laughs> but you're believing in the witness of man that it's safe. What I'm saying is when the Holy Spirit begins to get down on the inside of you, His witness is greater than the witness of man. Because God gave me something that the world can't take away. The world didn't give it to me, and the world can't take it away. It's a witness of the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of us. That no one can talk us out of it. You know, we are never, the believing Christian is never at the mercy of a, if we have the witness of Christ in our heart, the witness of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we are never at the mercy of an atheist or a man with an argument in his mouth. We never are, we are never at the mercy because no one talked me into this. <laughs> no one talked me into being a Christian and being a believer, a follower of Jesus. I just, I was reading this Bible that's alive. Understanding about a Jesus who lived, a real Jesus who lived. We're not talking about Winnie the Pooh or anything like that. We're, we're talking about Jesus who really lived. Who really died on the cross for my sins. And when I received that by faith, he came and lived in my heart and lives in my spirit, lives in my soul. And the Holy Spirit witnesses and says, you are my child. You are, you are my follower. I am within you. And I, as you walk with me and flesh that out, you are saved and born again. Your name's written in heaven. See, there's the witness of the Holy Spirit. There's a, there's a spiritual reason. 
There's a spiritual reason why we are saved this morning, why we believe that Jesus alone. Oh, there's a historical Jesus. I want to know all about him, all the history, the, 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 the Josephus and Eusebius and the church historians that wrote different things. But, but, but there's a scriptural reason as well that, that I get my, my nose in this book and I want to find out, Lord Jesus, what did you say? You said you are the bread of life. The bread of life. Why does that matter? Because bread is accessible in any, in any culture. In any culture. I mean, we were in Newark and we ate bread every day. It's called pizza. Pizza. You Kyle for students, you know what pizza is, I know. Let's get a pizza. It's late. It's late at night, man. Let's get a pizza. My dad tried to coach us when we were kids to save money, and this was the reason. He grew up in New Jersey where there, there was a lot of Italian influence, and, and, uh, he, and, and uh, he, he has so many great memories of, of uh, all of his friends who were Italians growing up in Belleville, New Jersey. But he, uh, he says, you're going to need to save money. You know why? Because when you go to college, you're going to want to order a pizza. <laughs> I said, all right, Dad. And I remember being in college when I was ordering a pizza, and I had the $5 to do it. There was a guy in Springfield, Missouri, that would, he owned his own pizza shop. You call him up, order a pizza. I want it delivered. He closed the shop and delivered the pizza for that $5. Can you believe there was a place like that in Springfield, Missouri? But he'd close the shop, go deliver the pizza. I'd give him a 50-cent tip, and he'd go, he'd go back and, and open the business again. Right? But pizza, bread is available everywhere. In, in, in Colombia, it may be an empanada. An empanada, right? In Africa, it may be some other, uh, I don't know what it's called. I've never been. In Germany, it's, it might be a, no, a schnitzel or something. Whatever. What is it in India? What's it called? Godi. Rodi. A roadie. I like that. I like that name. A roadie. There's bread everywhere. What we're saying is Jesus is the bread of life. He's available to everyone, but you just have to put your faith and trust in him and, and stop allowing these things to get in your head and say, oh, no, it really wasn't him. Yeah, you can, you can ask questions. You can love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But at the end of the day, there's this, there's this spiritual concept that you say, okay, if you're real, and we already said it in this service, he's real. He's real. I mean, Brother Joe's praying for Miss Faye this morning, and, and she walked in, and he's real. There's a spiritual world out there. In two weeks, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit alone. But, but Jesus is real, and, and when we put our faith and trust in him, he says, come and dine. Come and dine. Come and dine. And feast, eat, drink. Get all of me that you can have. The last reason is a personal reason. There's the historical reason, the scriptural reason, the spiritual reason. But watch this. Verses 68 through 69. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? <laughs> you have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. The personal reason is Peter believed and he experienced. That's the personal reason. 
At some point, you put your faith and trust in Jesus. You believed in him, and then you began to know. And then you began to grow. And then you began to show the whole world that Jesus is the way. All because you believed and you began to know. See, I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. Why do we believe? Why do we believe? But there's there's a spiritual aspect to it that you begin to put your faith in Jesus. And he begins to show you who he is more and more. More and more. Such to the point where you say, it's Jesus. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus that could give me this peace. It's only Jesus that could give me this hope. It's only Jesus that could take me from my despair where I was. I was down in sin. I was down in loneliness. I was down in anxiety. Come on, Danae. I was down in a a world away from Jesus, but I I met Jesus through a a campus ministry. I I met Jesus through a friend. I met Jesus through a mom or a dad, and he became real to me. He's a friend now that sticks closer than a brother. He's that good shepherd that leads us along the way in this life, and it's Jesus alone that helps us all along life's journey because he is the one that is on the inside spiritually witnessing you are mine you are going to make it you are going to to walk through this valley that you're walking through you are going to 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 overcome this addiction you are going to overcome this loneliness whatever it is I am with you and I am in you and you're going to pull through Jesus alone so don't put your faith in Pastor Danny don't put your faith in TFA church don't put your faith and, and, and the people all around you, ultimately, yes, you, you grow in your faith in those things, but you put your faith in Jesus alone. Amen. Jesus alone. Jesus alone. He's going to be the one that's there sitting beside you in a hospital one day when you say, there's nobody beside me. How am I going to get through this? He's going to be the one that encourages you. When you're all by yourself in a storm or in a valley and you say, why doesn't the Lord heal me? Why, does, why doesn't something happen? Where is everyone? It seems like everyone else is gone. But, but you look up and you say, okay, Lord, you alone have the words of eternal life. It's only you. So ultimately, I trust you. I trust you to get me through this. And he does. It's a personal reason. No one's talking me out of this. Nobody talked me into it. <laughs> There's reasons why we believe. Certainly, go back to that lesson two, two Sundays ago. There's reasons. Oh, search all those out. But at the end of the day, there's a God who's waiting on you to call out his name. See where it goes. He begins to lead you. He begins to guide you. One day you're at TFA Church listening to a, a message. Say, I've never heard that verse before. I got to eat his flesh, drink his blood. That pastor's crazy. But when you hear a verse like that, you have a choice just like those disciples did to hear it and receive it. Say, Lord, I don't understand it, but I. I'm going to flesh this out, and I'm going to do my best to follow you. Jesus will then turn to you and say, you're not going anywhere, are you? You're not going anywhere, are you? I know this is a tough life we live, and 
we, there's things that we don't understand. You're not going anywhere, are you? And you can look at Jesus and you can say, Lord, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Because you alone have the words of eternal life. Uh, come on, I'm talking about all of us this morning. Each one of us getting to the point where it may be a family member, maybe a spouse, maybe a brother or sister, or maybe someone close to us that says, why are you a follower of Jesus? Why are you doing this? Those people, especially at that church, are crazy. Go to this one that's a little more conservative. Why are you going there? And you say, I don't know, but when Olivia hits that keyboard, something comes alive in my spirit. I don't know, but when that worship team, when they get along with God, they are praying for us to experience God. Those guys running that sound system, they finally got that mic to work. Praise God. No, it's a mystery, y'all. It's still a mystery. But those people really believe that Jesus is real. Come on, let's believe in a real God that sent his son Jesus. Hallelujah. Sent his son Jesus. Well, Yesterday was the uh, solar eclipse, and we were outside looking at all the things that I can't pronounce. Uh, I don't know how to say them. We were, uh, we were looking at the, the, the contraptions and the, the, uh, the different things. And, and when you get these things that you can look through and see the sun, you're like, oh, wow. The moon is like in front, I believe, or behind, wherever it was, of the sun. And out of sight, Okay. I got so scared yesterday, guys. It was such a bad day that I thought the, the sun was going to disappear. <laughs> never mind. That, never mind. Well, we, uh, I'm outside, and, and under the carport, there's a little hole in the roof. I don't know, years ago, maybe someone shot a, a 22 through the, through the carport at some point, whatever. And, and I've got a picture on my phone I want you to see that I understood the solar eclipse yesterday when I saw this on the ground because I wasn't out here looking at the plates that Mr. Stage had put a circle through the hole in the middle of the plate where you could see the, the eclipse. So I'm out here underneath the carport, and any day during the week when the sun is shining, you could see a little sunlight beam coming through the top of the roof and hitting the ground, and it's this little circle on the ground. Well, yesterday, I looked down on the ground, and there's a crescent. The moon, the crescent. I'm looking down on the ground, and there's a, there's a crescent on the ground. I mean, I had revival all by myself looking at that crescent. Like, this is amazing. Church, that's, that's my God. That's my God. That's your God. That's the God we serve. He's so great. Like, thousands of miles from here. Thousands of miles from here. There's a son giving us life. S-U-N. We know we get real life through the S-O-N, though, right? Through the Son of God. But He's given us life. That's how awesome He is, how great He is. But there's a whole other side that you know you've heard me talk about, the bookends of the nature of God, God's greatness, but God's goodness. That that, that God that put a little crescent on the concrete right there that helped me, a 49-year-old man, I finally understood, okay, this is what's going on today. This, the moon is blocking, but every ray of light that we're, we have coming at us is, I guess, officially a crescent. You, know, you can get in the shade and 
look at the sun. There was a crescent on my hand yesterday. It was really cool. But what I'm saying is that great God is also a good God. That Jesus hung on that cross because he loves you. He loves me. <laughs> Whew. Who doesn't want to face the future with a God like that? But it's solus Christus, only Jesus, Jesus alone, that can help us face what's coming tomorrow. Help us look into the future. Help us see through the, the Bible, through Scripture, all that's ahead. And I wouldn't want to face one second of any 24-hour period, one second, without knowing that I know that I know that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I don't want to face tomorrow without that hope and without that perspective. But He is. So what's going to happen tomorrow? I don't know. What's going to happen in the Middle East? We don't know. But we have Messiah. Our Mashiach. I love that Greek word, the Mashiach. That Jesus lives on the inside of us. Our Messiah lives. So I'll face tomorrow. 